0: There's no substitute, there's just no substitute to doing the fundamental work of learning how to talk to everyday working class black people and struggle with the contradictions of our people. Um, And when I hear, when I see all the Twitter debates and all the social media stuff, I am so confused because clearly people have not organized our people because when you organize with our people, you confront our contradictions. There's no room for purism, this whole like very non-dialectical view of people's politics and consciousness, you know. So I, I've organized with, you know, working class dads um, who were just heartbroken about the education of their children and who we were homophobic as hell, you know, and we ha- and we were, who had all kinds of sexist behavior, and the sisters had to check in and we had to struggle with him. But that's part of how we how we organized together. We didn't say, brother, because you don't use the right words, you can't come into the meeting. And so that. The experience of organizing our folks, building organizations, um, I think is so fundamental. And we, there, there's no, you know, Tusa and I have talked about this. There is no future for the left, for the struggle against capitalism without people trained and dedicated to doing that work with Black people in particular, because of our structural position in racial capitalism.
1: That was Tanya Lee, National Secretary of Left Roots, a national organization of social movement organizers and activist. We will get deeper into Left Roots later in this show. I've known Tanya for close to two decades, as we first met when she was executive director of a San Francisco-based community organization. Besides discussing Left Roots, my co-host, Toussaint Lossier and Tanya and I had a wonderful discussion about the nature of the Black left today, the relationship between the Black left and the Black Lives Matter activism, and the need for a strategy to lead our movement. You will enjoy this episode. Hey folks, Stephen Pitts here. I'm really excited about this latest episode of Black Work Talk. Hope folks are doing well. I'm glad to have my co-host here as well, Toussaint Lucia. Toussaint, how you doing, man?
2: Hanging in there, man, you know, uh, one day at a time, uh, as they say, but, you know, trying to make the most of things that we see that are taking place. There's, you know, obviously the the news, if you spend time watching it, is a, is a lot of doom and gloom, but um, I've been heartened to see, you know, just like little bits, little glimmers of um, positive news in different places that have kind of lifted me up, whether it's, Amazon uh, workers walking out in uh, New York City, whether it's some of the, the movement work uh, taking place in Haiti uh, and other parts of the global south, just, just trying to find ways to balance what seems to be um, a lot of negative in terms of the reality of the world today and the way which I think a lot of the news has kind of focused and kind of heightened in on some of the, not just the realities of war, but also some of the fog of war and, you know, try to get a, a good, broad sweep of um, events of the day.
1: You know, um, I put something on my Facebook page. i understand Facebook for old folk nowadays, but I put something on my Facebook page. And, and it's a quote. Um, I don't remember if that quote or who actually said it, but roughly it said that in terms of dealing with kind of bad times and despair about going forward, there's really no choice. True. That... that, that, that while we may see doom and gloom around us every life we save is life we save yep that's true that our own. Mm-hmm. it's a really, really powerful way of looking at, at certain things so mm-hmm. um so yeah so
2: and and to that point maybe by the time that this mini series wraps up we'll try to get you on TikTok we'll see what we can do about kind of moving you from the the 20th century to the 21st century when it comes to social media we'll we'll maybe work at that
1: so the options are if it's on TikTok or Revolution, which will come first, we'll find that out, okay? We'll,
2: we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But as part of Revolution, I, I want to really in- welcome my guest and an old friend of mine, and Tanya Lee. And Tanya, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. So glad to be here with y'all.
1: Yeah. Thanks for being here. Um, from our audience, and Tanya is National Secretary of, Le- Le- of Left Roots, and we're going to talk more about that Um. Tynes were also very brilliant too, besides a title, a title and brilliance, it's a good, good combination. And I'm, I'm glad I could jump on, this, this our, our third episode, Looking at the Black Left. And as I mentioned to you in time, we talked before this, one of the, the kind of focus of this sort of season and this episode, this miniseries in particular, is the question of power. And the idea that anything we don't have now is a function of our in, in, incomplete power or inadequate power. And so we talk about the black left. Now, I want to talk about it less around ideologies and abstractions and more about things in relationship to this question of our level of power and what we do to to increase our power. So that's set up. What's your overview of the overall landscape of the black left today? Any thoughts on that?
0: No, I don't have anything to say about the state of the black left.
1: <laughs> okay. Bye. Short interviews. good talking to you. Good seeing you again. Later. Next up.
0: Oh my word. Well, you know, I, I mean, all of my thoughts, um, about and feelings about wow. the state of the black left at this stage in the 21st century, I think are really anchored by two, two different things on one hand. Um, there's this very persistent, determined hopefulness that I have about, our capacity as a left overall and as a black left to figure out a strategy to build the kind of power we need to really win um, liberation and defeat the folks who run racial capitalism right now and are causing so much misery. So I I start from a place of uh, humility and hopefulness about uh, our capacity to win and build the kind of power we need. And then on the other hand, I'm deeply anchored by, you know, I'm from the generation that, you know, as I came into politics in the eighties um, and nineties, that was right. The moment when the state had successfully sort of crushed the, just the most promising edge of the black freedom struggle, the black left. And, you know, we blame the, we can rightly blame the FBI and COINTELPRO pro and all that. On that defeat, you know, as the Black Left was rising in radicalism and strength and popularity amongst our people, it, but the reality is that there was a political defeat of the Black Left, and on in a, a necessary p- from from our enemies' perspective, because we were a serious threat to the sustaining of this system. And I, it's important to me that we start from that perspective because it anchors us in you know, one, that was a, 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 that defeat was a defeat about power and the correlation of forces. And it wasn't like a personal failing of anybody. And it wasn't a moral judgment about the lack of righteousness of our struggle. It, But, it, but if we start from a sort of assessment about our lack of power, then we can ask the, the real question, well, how do we, how have we since then built or not built sufficient power um, and in a strategic way, and what else do we need to build power. And I think it's important to have that defeat be really wrestled with because one, it helps us be clear about the power of our enemies and um their determination, their very brutal determination to stay in power. And so we bring our hopefulness and the righteousness of our struggle and the hopes and dreams of our people, but we don't get to be the ones who are naive. About what what will be you know what measures will be taken to maintain the hold on power that currently exists, so that's one thing. And so anchored by you know the hopefulness, but also the stats that the real grounding in the in, in the defeat, and that some of that defeat was about internal contradictions. It wasn't just that the the state. I you know I'm excited that in this state this year of the 21st century there are more. Black radical activists and organizers and left identified black folks asking the question about how to rebuild and strengthen the black left than there were in, in any of the times since I've been active since the 80s. Um, so that's good news. <laughs> that's a positive development. And yet we lack power. All the different ways you want to talk about power and understand power, we lack power. We may have more popularity amongst certain layers of our people, and the working and the working class. We may have more organizations um, than we had in a, sort of say ten years ago. More explicitly anti-capitalist black organizations, for example, it's incredible development in this last period. But we don't objectively have power to influence the political terrain anywhere close to what is needed to really shift the material conditions of black working class people. Um, we don't have the power base. We don't have the, the, the sort of mass level of support, nor do we have the actual strategy um, collectively, collectively an aligned, shared strategy. So those are those are
1: troubling things. You know, as you were talking, um, got a lot of reflections. I really appreciated how you t- talked about the internal contradictions, internal faults that that that, that um, led to our current situation. Um, It might be a whole longer different story about the role of Quotantile Pro, to be honest. I I think sometimes that for some people, clearly not you, as you said it in time, but for some people, the reality of of Quotantile Pro allows folk to not do a self-assessment. That's right. And um, my personal take is that that clearly was real, what what the state did. Mm -hmm. But I'm not clear that it was decisive in the sense of other factors floating around. but that's another show, another conversation. But I do think the idea of looking at our personal strengths and weaknesses is important. Mm-hmm. Because that's one we can both, both control. You know, we can both say, I will get up in the morning, or I won't. Or I will email, or I'll or, or, or TikTok, or I won't, right? We can control those mm-hmm. things. You know, and, mm-hmm. and once I think about in terms of, of the lack of power in the Black left, is the lack, is the lack of deep connections with black folks, black working class folk, mm-hmm. that, that, that I think there's a segment of my generation and that's kind of, you no, know, we'll call it the pre-TikTok generation, okay? Um, there's a oh,
0: segment. Wait, I'm the pre-TikTok generation, so what does that make you? Old as hell. <laughs> my kid is the TikTok generation. I'm the parent of the TikTok generation. Well,
1: let, me not, let me let me issue labels for a second, okay? Um, okay? There's some of us in my age cohort, okay, and okay. and who had some good good roles that they played in late '60s activists in the community, mm-hmm. and they had different roles in the black community and leadership roles and play, doing good mm-hmm. things. Yep. And for some of us, we drop those roles and we're into factories. And it's in severed those roots and those connections. And so I think that when I think about the, the lack of power stems from the fact that there's some lack of deep connections with black working class folk, which by itself means lack of power. But that's my kind of mm-hmm. short take on some stuff. And, and, and my Ooh. thought is always, how do we. Reconnect. It means different things, means different paces. I don't have have a master plan for the reconnection, but I always think Mm -hmm. that the idea of trying to build more power Mm -hmm. is crucially focused on the issue of building those connections. And so when I think about your your statement about the the landscape and the the, um, large increases of numbers of people and organizations, who are struggling with kind of Black freedom from a mm-hmm. non-liberal, non-reformist perspective, mm-hmm. I'd raise the question of, of, of people's connections to folk. And that's really key in Central.
0: Yeah, so I, I think I, I agree and maybe slightly disagree. The fundamental point I agree with is the lack of... I mean this has been this was this was the case before this recent last you know period um ten fifteen years, but even despite this expansion in radicalism remains true is the lack of just old fashioned fundamental organizing working class people in the places where they are, both their workplaces and their neighborhoods, and the lack of actual organizing like you said that has where you're building organizations of working class people. Who have members who experience the life of democracy inside those organizations? Who con- who are confronting the state together, getting politically developed together, developing actual indigenous leadership together, and those those organizations we have so few of those organizations and so few radical activists doing that work. I am someone who's in this weird part of the movement where I was a community organizer for twenty years in multiple places, Ypsilanti, Michigan, New York City, and the Bay Area, and cut my teeth in organizing. There's no substitute. There's just no substitute to doing the fundamental work of learning how to talk to everyday working-class Black people and struggle with the contradictions of our people. Um, And when I hear, when I see all the Twitter debates and all the social media stuff, I am so confused because clearly people have not organized our people. Because when you organize with our people, you confront our contradictions. There's no room for purism, this whole like very non-dialectical view of people's politics and consciousness. You know, so I, I've organized with, you know, working class dads um who were just heartbroken about the education of their children and who were homophobic as hell. You know, and we had and who were who had all kinds of sexist behavior and the sisters had to check him and we had to struggle with him. But that's part of how we how we organized together. We didn't say, brother, because you don't use the right words, you can't come into the meeting. And so that the experience of organizing our folks, building organizations, um, I think is so fundamental. And we there There's no, you know, Tooth and I have talked about this. There is no future for the left, for the struggle against capitalism without people trained and dedicated to doing that work with black people in particular because of our structural position in racial capitalism, but black and brown people in general. So in that regard, I 100 percent agree. But I want to make sure it's it's a it's I'm heard as about building kinds of organizations. It's not just about the kind of tactics we need we need to be building organizations that, that, do, that, kind of organiz- or that do that kind of organizing. and, and, and then, But then the other thing is that I think we need in the 21st century, given gentrification, given um, the crisis in our school, given the nature of how the cap- crises in capitalism are impacting the material conditions of our people, we have to have community organizations that are essentially a merge of you know, worker center labor organizations and community organizations, both. We can't afford to have only unions that organize our people around working conditions and wages and only community organizations that protest the, you know, state uh, white supremacy and gentrification. We just can't afford that. In my neighborhood here in West Philly, all of those things are happening all the time to all the black people. <laughs> it's like we need we need kinds of formations that can att- that can address all those conditions um facing our people and including organizing the unorganized um unemployed. So um and then the other thing I just wanted to add about and what has shaped the black left is you know I I'm unfortunately my life has been witnessing the development of neoliberalism, the growth and dominance of neoliberalism, both in terms of its economic impact on on our people, but also ideologically, the individ- the hyper individualism and alienation, um, and um, and the pessimism, and of uh, it, so both the rise of neoliberalism and the development of the far right as a really powerful and broad based social movement in this country. And those things happening at the same time are structural conditions that have made it very difficult for black organizing and the development of a new state of the black left. Um, That's not an excuse, right. Of like why we're not, but that's just real. And the fact that there are anti-capitalist black folks today. I mean, my mother is one of them working class Black woman, mostly has been in public housing most of her life, you know, really, really, really a struggling sister who hates capitalism. It's clear that it is not for Black people, but she is not clear that we actually have the capacity to win an alternative. She's not convinced, and that leads to a deep pessimism that... What's the point, really, of organizing and building a whole new society and doing all this work if the, these folks have shown how powerful they are, and we just have to accept? And just everyone out here, friend, for yourself, basically.
2: And and I, I just to kind of like push on that a little bit. Um, this question of this this pessimism, right, that we see out, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. not just in the movement, but in the in the amongst our folks more broadly. What would you say to somebody who? were to look at the um the uh kind of wave of black lives matter protests that's happened over the past eight years, I think. Um, mm-hmm. or the waves of Black Lives Matter protests that have happened over the past eight years. The mm-hmm. um you know, the the consolidation of some of those efforts in the movement for black lives, the Black Lives Matter movement as well. Um uh, in particular, you know, we—I I know you all saw what happened in Philly, in Philadelphia, in 2020, summer 2020, right? How how do we see that question of like the pessimism, and maybe and and maybe as well like the lack of power of um, the black left in a moment or coming out of a period where you know. To, to, to your point, there has been, out of those waves, a growth in the number of organizations, uh, a growth in the popularity of some of the ideas, some of the concepts that come out of black left politics and the seeming willingness to, to offer some legitimacy to some of the claims that um, uh, folks in the black left would want to make in a manner that does seem starkly in contrast to uh, where things were, say, in the in the 90s or the early 2000s or what have you. And, you know, some might say, well, things have improved if we look at what's happened with the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, you know, it might not be real power to influence things, but but haven't things gotten better to some degree, um, since we've seen, uh, shouldn't 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 the Black Lives Matter movement be seen as significant to improving the circumstances for the Black left in, in in tangible ways?
0: Yes, people do say that, and I think this is the thing is like why it's you know our responsibility to really understand the nature of this beast that is causing so much suffering amongst our people. This system of racial capitalism can continue it's assault on our people and and fully accommodate significant rage and resistance it can it has shown it can you could have millions of people resisting in the street and raising consciousness about the nature of white supremacy which is re- which we have to do black lives matter movement for black lives has done an incredible job in sort of helping people articulate rage and resistance to the current system. And um, that's, that is an advance. There's no question of, of, about that. I, I would not are, ever argue it's not, but what we, we are people who believe that black people can't be free until you end capitalism. We can't be free within this system. And so we have to be clear the limits of certain kinds of advances. So for example, the 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 growth in uh you know you know we've all pointed to how quickly corporate forces were able to adopt radical sounding language around race and representation and b l m right and 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 co-opt our radical ideas and and for the sake of them making profits I don't see that as victory um I think that is just the power of how. You know, capitalist forces can incorporate our demands and, and neutralize them um, for their own needs. But it's not the 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 in the culture in the level of the the culture of the United States increased resistance to white supremacy in the culture is not a transformation of the of the economy. Is not actually a growth in economic or political power of working class people. It's not the same thing. We need other indicators to show that. And without those, without that basic. Strength amongst black working class people and working class people in general we history has shown that any level of of sort of change in ideas will just be adopted and Cohen and will get sort of symbolic progress without actual material advance
2: just to just to kind of like dig into this a little bit more be, beyond the beyond a sort of like symbolic and sort of representational, right? I can can definitely think, and I'm sure folks listening can definitely think of the various different ways in which we've seen that play out, right? How do you, as somebody who's played a key role on the black left for a number of years, what do you think are some of the best ways for those in the black left to orient themselves to the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Like where, you know, where we are, we're 2022, right? Um, and we've seen a variety of different developments occur in terms of this wave of movement activity in some sense, there's a lot of lessons to be learned but um what do you think are some of the kind of yeah fundamental things for folks to um to hold on to in terms of yeah making the most of what of those advances that you spoke to earlier right you you said this you know this it has been a period where there's it's been obviously contradictory and there have been some limitations uh and also some advances like you know what are some of the best ways to kind of not just take the stock of that but also kind of um, um build on build on
1: mm-hmm. yeah can i jump in for a clarifying question for either one of you two to address mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tussan the way you posed that question you kind of posed in, 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 the,
2: in the rambling manner that I posed it in the the multiple yeah go ahead <laughs> sorry go ahead we
1: are yes. we'll okay the okay <laughs> rambling stuff man it's cool no no problem huh? right. um it's more the sharpness of your question not the rambling nature of my brother okay uh,
2: see this is this is why this is the place for me where <laughs> some of my qualities can be appreciated thank you
1: but seriously um you in some ways kind of posed the black left. To Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. and I think in some of the popular imagination, they're mm-hmm. one and the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. could either one of you two try to untie those two things for a second, and then get into your your, your um your question.
0: So, I think for this conversation, I think probably Tooth and I share the using the phrase Black Lives Matter movement as a very broad, multi-tendency umbrella for everyone who's been organizing against racist state violence, decriminal, you know, um, against criminalization of black people, um, defund work, you know, it's a huge umbrella and it exists far beyond the organization that calls itself the black lives matter and has its, um, uh, kind of most, I would say, uh, significant national form in the movement for black lives in terms of being connected to, to, to grassroots organizations on the ground. And I think, of course, given the strength of the right, given the strength of neoliberal ideology and neoliberalism as a political project, that popularly there's a misunderstanding that um, there's a conflation of of, of a bunch of, of 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 peoples and ideas. So that's one thing is that that conflation. But on the, but the other thing that is real is that in the movement for Black Lives and in this new radical motion around the Black Lives Matter uprisings. The level of uh, criticism of the whole system, the level of criticism of capitalism is significant. And so the left ideas inside Black Lives Matter, in terms of the folks who've actually been doing the organizing, not so much the, I don't know, whatever you call those other people, um... That has been, that is, that is significant.
2: The folks with like the Instagram, where they put the, where you take the, I know we're talking about social media too much, but where they take the, (laughs) their their profile picture and they make it black for a week.
0: Yes. Thank you. Two days. Yes. 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 Two days. Yes. So there's been, and it's been an exciting, there are a lot of very left ideas in both just popular in the BLM work and then with the organizations, but that's different from having there be, uh, and there's a lot of Black leftists inside those organizations, people with Black left politics inside those organizations. But that's different from having Black left with organizations that have sort of consolidated politics and strategy as being for the liberation of Black people and for building power for Black working class people. It's not the same thing. And I think it's actually a really important distinction because there's a lot of anti-organization sometimes not even totally consciously stuff in our in our movement right now. And so being able to point out to people that this the difference between individual people having ideas and organizations who are actually trying to move change condition political material conditions in the real world based on certain ideas is actually an important distinction. Um, I don't know. I don't I could say more, but those are a few things. Would you add anything to that, to cents.
2: No, I mean I think that um I think those are important points for folks to keep in mind. I just would also add that this question of conflation is strategic in some sense. You know, I think that there's a there's a real concerted effort to I I don't think it's disconnected from this question of the past defeat of the black left in terms of being able to sort of identify a particular danger in. Uh, a resurgence of black left influenced or, yeah, um, kind of movement activity or kind of protest or what have you. You know, I, I think the question of appreciating some of the differences between what we're talking about in terms of the black left and the the movement for black lives, black lives matter movement, the broader kind of motion, right, that's kind of been taking place in various spheres of society over the past almost nearly a decade also just kind of makes me think about about some of what you raised earlier in terms of this question of internal contradictions and I don't quite know how to to speak to it with the sharpness that brother Stephen deserves but um, (laughs) just thinking about it um, I, I think there's something to be noted about even the question that was just raised in that what does it mean to have a movement that sort of influenced by black left ideas and that have folks who consider themselves black leftists involved in it, but, um, has a fair amount of unevenness and questions of coherence that might make it possible for, for, for us to be speaking as if the black left and the movement for black lives are separate things in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that, that, that just raises for me and, and let me know if y'all want to take this in a different direction, but I think it's worth saying some things that are sort of, um, I don't, I don't know if they're assumptions or basic assessment points that I have that influence my thinking about this question. And one is just, is that it seems, I know we share this idea, but not everybody does, which is that human beings will resist oppression. And That, so it's, 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 it's not, and when point pushed to a certain point, humans will resist. Now it doesn't, the, the nature of that resistance, what, how that resistance is organized with what kind of consciousness and strategy so that it actually can be you best mobilized to actually make a political advance and win power is a question of politics and, and strategy. But just the fact that people are get pissed. Uh, sometimes I feel like people are too excited that people are mad. I guess is maybe what I'm saying. It's like people, oppressed people will, mm-hmm. are mad. Mm-hmm. Um, all the time. I mean, I so all the time. I mean, I work at organized <laughs> I've been an organizer for a long time, and you knock on the doors and people are mad. Um, people are upset that rent's going up and that they're you know, yep. et cetera. so um, that's one thing. But that what strategy, you know, we and Left Roots and a lot of our comrades you know, are really harping on this idea that the, one of the core things of the left is this lack of national coherent strategy to connect our real conditions right now to our real vision of the defeat of capitalism and the winning of collective liberation, um, the winning of a new kind of social, socialist society. And strategy should help ground you in one to help you get to the other, you don't ignore your vision, but you don't ignore the ground on which you stand and cross your fingers and, right, um, you, you, you're anchored. And why that's important to me in this question of the black left is, is that one of you asked the question of how should black leftists be be sort of, um, what's the posture given this broader motion is we should be on an individual level doing the best we can to help mentor support the development of organizations that are doing good work in our community. A, just the organizations, support the people, the politics, you know, of of those people. With with humility, because there's all this brilliance and wisdom amongst the new generation of organizational leaders, but we should be doing to help build those organizations. And we should be taking on the responsibility of training up what used to be called the advanced forces, but training up people willing to be cadre, willing to make a life commitment to the work of radical social change and transformation to say, we got to get it together to have a real strategy because when, when the uprisings happened here in Philly in 2020, I mean, everywhere when they hear I as not the cohort of comrade Pitts here, Um, but not of, but the, the, the parent generation of a lot of the young folks who were in the street and handling, doing the most orderly redistribution of resources at the auto zone across the street from my house, by the way, um, (laughs) that, um, that, you know, I was, uh, I, the sense of responsibility, I felt that we had failed, to have a formation and have enough trained people ready with a strategy that could be moved nationally right in that moment. And and we didn't have it. People made the best of, it's like amazing what people made of the moment, given the lack of infrastructure of the left and our capacity to really um, help make the most of that moment. But that task still re- still exists, to have some real uh, national formations that have clear strategies to get us from a moment of outrage and uprising to s- step-by-step, stage-by-state, gen- multi-generation if necessary, to actually being really free and not being satisfied with campaign victories that sound very radical, but actually aren't freedom for our people. It's been a, this struggle has been going on a long time, many generations. And I feel the best way we honor our ancestors is by being real about our limits right now, but holding up the, refusing to put down the mantle of, but we deserve to be free. And so, and that space is, you gotta have strategy. Um, and otherwise you just fighting, I don't know, there's probably some Muhammad Ali statement or something, you are just like throwing punches, um, but you, have, you didn't come in the ring with no strategy to
1: win. A lot there. I really appreciate how you talk about the, the interconnections of the ground and the strategy and the vision.
2: The mm-hmm. so things, really
1: important things you said there. Because I think that what happens almost always is that when people get into motion to change society, that they come, they get into it as they are and
0: That's what they fair. see. That's right. And
1: to the extent that people see radicalism mean to paint black lives matter on a sidewalk to be kind of the lowest form of activism that's what the c it, it is it's not their fault that's what they see and so it's important to have um other projections of things you know
2: um just just, just a small point not just a side, an intersection though an intersection could be i mean you think about it, you stop traffic right you have to kind of block off the street you got to paint it in the you know on the on the street itself you might be able to see it from a satellite that's not any that's not an advance that's not a a, a tangible change in the material conditions. are you baiting me are you baiting are you baiting me cuz
0: <laughs> because of course of course some some cultural work some you know um, work like that can have i mean i've been part of you know wheat pasting all of things radical slowly i'm hella down for all of that and those are those are tactics that we use as part of either specific campaigns or initiatives, but ideally as part of a, like longer term strategy. And that we're, it's not only an ex- it stops at an expression that that's that's okay. that's. The right, so,
1: Tiny, right. what you're missing is last week Tucson advocated the idea that withholding st- coffee through Starbucks action. With the, in capitalism, by the way. So I'm clearly seeing it, I the no, joke no, no, we're no, talking no. about.
2: Okay? Let me not be completely misunderstood. It was, I was saying that there might be a strategic role for the unionization of Starbucks workers in the broader... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might have a... Stra- you To your point, in time, you might have a strategy that might say, look, when push comes to shove, we, we're going to get the longshore workers to shut down the ports. We're going to get the... Um, Teachers to shut down schools. Students are going to walk out, and the Starbucks workers are going to refuse uh, to provide folks with coffee.
0: Their productivity-enhancing. Liquids. At the point
2: mm-hmm. of direct action, at the point of production, <laughs> is going to play a consequential because you gonna have all these people. You gonna have all these people who are who are like looking for their coffee and it's not going to be there and they're not going to have that caffeine fix. And there, there we go. You know, so we, can talk about I mean,
1: different three, we can talk about three sites of struggle and the idea of commanding heights. One does not go. go to the level of commanding heights for sure. But, but going forward, what I was trying to say is simply that people come in to struggle as they, as they are and what they see. That's and, right. and it's important to understand the need to provide other ways to see social change, radical social change, um, so, they can see that, may, may, they may be able see themselves in that, that alternative. That's, that's super that's important. Right. Um, that's right. That's right. That's right. Also, I think, though, that the idea of seeing the alternatives is not just strategy, it's actual presence on a daily basis and campaigns and victories summed up in other ways. And that may sound strange. Let me give you some examples. So, there's a lot of ways you talk about. Racial disparities, and how every day we talk about black this, white this, not even boom, and then we talk about race, the racial wealth gap, is the way of kind of talking about that. Then we get into housing questions, and the leap oftentimes is into home ownership, mm-hmm. and, and and what can happen therefore is a radical demand can be seated being getting more black homeowners, not challenging the nature of the housing market. And so, so the question is, how do we develop not just the words of, of the critique of the housing market and all that we could talk about, but how do we actually develop presence and campaigns that, that, that bring people into motion to challenge fundamentally the housing market mm-hmm. that, that doesn't result in individual home ownership? And I think I hear the whole question on the moms for housing in Oakland, right, where the idea was simply. Black, some women about to get black women about to get evicted. Exactly. For, so we should stop yeah. this. We should also own as a collective these these things. So that's, that's I think right. it's important to make sure that that when we talk about strategy, we are having to test it for organization and campaigns that, that are both successful in the immediate, but are seen as being part of a larger visionary um set of works.
0: That's right. That's right. No. And I think so to make strategy, you know, concrete, I mean, if we had a, if we had a as part of a national left strategy, if we saw the organizing of tenant right organizing and housing organizing as a one critical thing like in some key cities, we're like, OK, it's really this question of housing for profit um, as a fundamental problem of capitalism and the, the fact that the gentrification and escalating housing prices are really um, causing suffering amongst our people, we should you know, organize around that issue. There's a way you can organize around that issue to, that could accomplish a specific campaign victory, advance in rent control the development of more community land trusts, right? Sort of the left edge of some of the reform work, but you could do so in an organization that's developing leaders and doing political education. You could do so in the context of raising the question is why isn't housing a fundamental right in this country and why is it for profit and what would we do differently? How would we actually organize it? And and then maybe out of some of the organizing, you might actually start building an alternative, a small scale alternative, huge network of community land trusts, whatever it was, as part of a strategy, not just because it's fun and interesting, but because you see, oh, we both need to do the organizing against the state and win some real concessions, but also we need to build some alternatives that show our people some material alternatives to how the capitalist system works now. And let's try, the strategy could say, let's try that in 10 cities for 10 years and see what happens, or 10, five cities for 10, whatever it is, But it's big enough, an experiment is big enough that you can actually extract some lessons and say, okay, we tried that strategy. We built this amount of power in these communities to win these kinds of campaigns. But also we built this level of consciousness. We have now this number of leaders now who not only are experienced organizers and know how to fight developers, et cetera, et cetera, but they also know how to be in a community meeting and govern a community land trust together. um, where actually housing has been collectivized and their their capitalist thinking around housing being for profit. And I'm just going to get mine. And I'm just going to, my, my idea of my dream is to be an individual homeowner has been challenged. And that would be, that's the kind of, um, and it's not that there aren't people doing that, but that would, that kind of organizing with those dual ideas and those multiple purposes would be more possible if we had broader left strategy that could help guide people in that direction and not just leave it up to just all these hungry, amazing, brilliant organizers out here in really complicated conditions who are hella disoriented. Like what is the best thing to do? How do we organize our people in the best way? That's actually not just going to respond in a reformist way right now, but is actually going to make an advance for the next stage of struggle. People really want to know that. And you can't talk about that. At least there's a layer now of of of, of organizers out of those left who really they've had their experience with direct action, they've had their experience with defund campaigns, they've had their experience with a bunch of um, anti-deportation work, et cetera, et cetera, and they want to know, okay, but how do we make more out of this? How do we advance the struggle out of this in a longer term way? And that's the question of of strategy.
1: Um, You mentioned a lot about. Being able to have these national campaigns and that are, that are pushing people forward, I'll call that that way. Mm-hmm. I also said that you are national secretary of Left Roots, and maybe I connect some dots there. So, what is Left Roots exactly, and, and why are you national secretary? And why are you excited to be who you are and what you're doing? <laughs>
0: Uh, What is Left Roots? So Left Roots is this short term political project, which is often confusing to many people, both on the sort of historic left, who, were, who are familiar with revolutionary organizations of the past. And it's also confusing to organizers who have left politics, um who aren't clear what, it, what the hell we are. So Left Roots is um, an organization of what we call social movement leftists—a term we borrowed from Marta Honaker, who studied the Latin American left—which is the the anti-capitalist leftists who are already committed to the work of organizing working class um, people, and in particular, working class people of color, who are already in that work, but who have left anti-capitalist politics, but are are uh, So we're we're an organ- a national organization of those people. Who are trying to both develop ourselves as revolutionary strategists, as people who can read the conditions and the terrain of the moment and make the most strategic interventions. And who, as part of that, can are develop, can have the skills, the training and skills to actually develop the strategy that I've been speaking of to win liberation. And not, it's sort of a June Jordan, we are the ones idea. That it isn't gonna. We're not going to wait around for like the a few super smart lefty type people to g- say this is the way forward. This is what is to be done. We're going to actually, in a more popular, protagonist, democratic way, train up a whole bunch of us who are already in the struggle to be able to craft strategy so that in when we have a national strategy that's coherent for the left about how to really, really get free, how to really, really win collective liberation. We're not just following leaders so that when we're at a stage of struggle, when we've tested something together, we have the training. We Black, Brown, Asian, White, working class organizers with socialist politics, we can get in rooms together and honestly say, did we do what we said we were going to do? Did it work? Did we fail? What lessons can we derive? How should we change our strategy? which is basically a, uh, we are kind of an inter, uh, a left formation trying to build on some of the weaknesses of the 20th century socialist left and apply them to build up our capacity to create new 21st century socialist organizations that can actually win a socialism, a new kind of socialism for the 21st century. And we see social movement leftists as a really key part of of that plant of that struggle is to build a new kind of twenty first century a strategy for twenty-first century socialism. And so that's who we are. That's what we do. It's both we call it a cadrefication project. We call each other cadre. Not because we're a cadre formation in the traditions before us, but because we are preparing ourselves to be to take ourselves seriously enough and to take each other seriously enough to be cadre in future formation. Um, who could carry out a real revolutionary strategy, what we call liberatory strategy. What that means is it requires for left-roots people, the left-roots people who are right now in anti-gentrification struggles, for example, who are housing organizers, once you know a new cadre formation is formed in the next couple of years with left-roots support, but not left-roots sole doing, those housing organizers may actually need to be deployed to do a different kind of work. Right they, need to be, they may need to be to put down their tools their tools that they've learned in housing and apply some of those tools and apply a new revolutionary strategy to a new context and a new set of forces and a new issue. and so people are getting prepared to have that kind of discipline to a collectively developed strategy um, and not just be out here doing what you think you should be doing because you, you have your best guess of what's important
1: right now. So, the risk of distorting what you said, but I'll just throw it away and see what happens. You can, you can undistort. It, it seems to me that in this period, I'm kind of clear you said a temporary, so there's a, mm-hmm. some sort of end game here. Um, Next
0: year. Huh? Next year. Next
1: year. Okay. So, we have last year of life. Okay. We're in the home stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, that this, this period has been kind of an internal focus, not so external as a group. That's one way to look at it. Is that accurate?
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely done external work, but the focus is on our the the development of Left Roots members as leftists. Yeah. And it's, But it's important distinction. It, the the fact that the membership is ninety something percent of us are people whose day to day work is in working class communities is an important part of that thing. Because if it was just if it was only if the membership was only people who just had socialist ideas but had no place in the world to do any practice that would be real, that would be a real weakness but we actually specifically recruit people into the organization and people who go through our membership process who are people who've had that experience who who are rooted in that practice of organizing working class people um and that really shapes who we are and our assumptions about what kind of change is possible and
1: yeah yeah a lot of questions unfolding so I kind of get, so what I've been hearing most of our conversation, Tanya, is through my kind of distorted ears, or covered ears right now, is a bit of separation of strategy and organization. And, and what I mean by that, mm-hmm. what I mean by that, may not be what you mean, mm-hmm. what actually should, should be, right? Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is that we have a view how to, we have a, a roadmap, which is a very rough way of calling a strategy. Now, we may take a car or a bike. That's my tactics. But still, we have a strategy going someplace, the roadmap. Mm-hmm. And we have the organization to carry out that, that, that's fights and battles. So that's in my mind. I keep hearing is kind of se- this separation between the roadmap. I see. Oh, I can clarify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So clarify yes, that. Or thank you.
0: Yeah. Undistort no, me. Undistort me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that helps. And um, so there is no effective strategy without organization to carry the strategy. and. We are the kind of leftists who do believe that there is a role for a national cadre formations of people whose specific task is to carry out revolutionary strategy through their actual work in organizations, right? As in addition to their membership in a cadre formation. So that's a lot for people who are not familiar with the history of cadre formations in the world that may make no sense. But we have a view that cadre organizations are a particular kind of political organization that are needed within a healthy environment movement ecosystem. We need many kinds of organization. Cadre organization is one. We need big mass organizations of workers and community people. We need... Uh, intermediate training institutions. We need the media and cultural institutions. There's many kinds of institutions and formations we need in a healthy movement ecosystem. Um, And we have many of them in in the U S left, but we don't have enough of them and we, and they're not strong enough. And the two of the most important features sort of fundamental for a healthy liberatory movement ecosystem that has a chance of really winning the liberation. We also want needs these Form foundational working class organizations that we were talking about before. You can't have a liberation struggle without that. In South Africa, in the, in Cuba, in, I mean anywhere, and you just can't have in China anywhere. You can't have that. Um, and here, um, but you also need um, what we would call cadre formations, um, organizations whose sole job, sole job, is to advance the struggle to win liberation to win socialist liberation to win that's their purpose whereas you know the community housing organization that's not their purpose they they may have left leadership and have left the ideas but their purpose isn't to wage socialist liberation right and the the kind of cognitive formation we see is one that builds on the lessons from the 20th century and doesn't have this harsh boundary between the left kind of cadre-ish, revolutionary cadre in, uh, in the mass organizations, um, but more of this dialectical relationship back and forth where you're supporting the organic leadership and of communities as a leftist from that organization, right? And you're bringing back the wisdom of the practice. You're bringing back to the organization the wisdom of what we tried together, the the, the leadership from the people there who are also hopefully some of the members of the cadre organization. So that is the actual day-to-day working class struggle and the struggle with our people is influencing the strategy. And then there's this dialectic that goes back and forth and that's a healthy, democratic, non-rigid, non-dogmatic, non-sectarian formation. And we really think we need that. So we're, we're really focused on that, which isn't to say there's not a million other things that are needed in the
1: movement. So one other thing, then um, guess you got to move on. Uh, we could always talk for hours. It's a damn shame. I appreciate the idea that there's interplay between the strategy formation and real work. Okay, I, I mean, I appreciate that a lot. I would put in another important dialectic, and that's between the power we have today. And it influences our actual options we have to work today and tomorrow. And I, and I think sometimes that latter one we forget about or downplay. And that's how we can get trapped into a lot of limiting campaigns. Because we get so wrapped up in the today and we have little, little ability to influence the today. And we get wrapped in the kind of circles. So I think both the, 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 the flow between the work and the strategy slash vision the interplay between the power building as a way of influencing our choice is super important to, to, to say and influence. Um,
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Any sneak but pre- the way you get, the, but the way you get out of being pra- just pragmatic is you and not just reformists, because you're responding right to the today is you're asking, what can we do now to make more possible next? That's what is it that we can do now at this stage of struggle with this limited, with the right, right with all its power with our real life political choices we have what can we do now that, that wins some things now but wins them in a way that actually makes the something more possible next and yeah
1: any sneak previews on next phase you said that next this is a phase. one year one year then something's oh, yeah
0: yeah yeah we call it the home stretch we call it the home stretch well we're excited to talk to more people in the movement about about socialism what is 21st century socialism how is it building on this, the strengths of 20th century what are the lessons we're deriving from the, the the failures and weaknesses of the socialist experiments in the past we're excited to keep talking to people about that um this next year and to talk to other really experienced um Leftists who agree with us, who are aligned with this idea about the need for a new formation, who aren't necessarily in Left Roots, um, who wanna work together to see what we can build. This next stage is a very is going to be a very external stage where we're doing a lot of conversations with folks, a lot of discussion about real life strategy documents, so it's not so abstract. Where we have we've produced some strategy inside of Left Roots, we're gonna be we've discussed the strategies that other comrades have, and we're gonna be supporting some real principled struggle, principled debate amongst each other to see where we have alignment and what kind of formation might we build together that could carry out some, some really sharp strategy based on real conditions and do some badass organizing so that we can both do things like defeat the right right now and then defeat the neoliberals and keep it moving so that we can win.
1: <laughs> so that's a sneak preview, I guess, huh? Okay. That'll work for it right now. Uh, we'll call you back in a year from now for the, 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 the grand premiere. Okay. Okay. Um,
0: All right.
1: Um, some closing questions in Tanya, this has been phenomenal. So good to see you again, by the way. And so good to, to, to talk with you. Um, how do you define black freedom? Mm.
0: Well, the first thing, you know, in, 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 uh, in bold, I'm part of the the bold network and, um, Whenever I've been asked this question in that space, the same vision comes to my mind, which is, and this is true before I even became a parent. Uh it's not so much a definition as it's a feeling that I I well, I know we need a socialist economy first and foremost, but in order to be free, um, I'm clear about that. But my feeling is I'm in a neighborhood where There are elders and children and community people in and out of houses and the children who are all running around, all the black children who are running around, they feel safe and well cared for. They know that they are in a place, not just where they're safe in a minimal sense of like no one's going to shoot them, but they can go to any number of people's houses and be supported where they're actually growing up in a whole society that supports their human potential and their right to human development. And that they feel that it's a felt feeling. It isn't just a thought and that to have our children be in a world where that is the norm is, um, that's what keeps me going. That's what I want.
1: Sounds good. Um, Beautiful. What are you reading, by the way, that kind of has your interest right now?
0: Well, for another time that we could talk about, it. I've, as Toussaint knows, been um, increasingly obsessed with public health and learning about um, socialist health experiments around the world and trying to integrate the modern neuroscience. So I'm reading a lot of neuroscience these days, and which I, I won't go into right now, but just um, that is a big most of the books on my table have something to do with the nervous system and but i'm also doing a self what i'm calling a 12 week self study where i'm reviewing some core classics and one of my favorites that i'm rereading is um fire on the mountain by terry bisson um it's an alternative sci-fi based on the idea that the rebellion at harper's ferry was actually successful oh, word.
1: ah wow wow wow, wow and
0: wow, it's wow. it's just If you need some, if you're having a rough day and you're feeling really pessimistic, you need a little radical imagination, it's a short book. um, It flips history on its head in a really beautiful way and makes you think about what's actually possible
1: um, for humans, for the
0: planet, for Black people.
1: It's It's interesting. I'm not myself into sci-fi that most besides Star Star Trek back in the day. But a lot of the guests (laughs) on Black Work Talk are into sci-fi and fantasy stuff. And then my grandson is into it as well, by the way. So I'm trying to find age-appropriate <laughs> fantasy series to send him. And and so i that's one of my, my things I'm doing. So off the show, you can click send me any sort of suggestions. He's nine years old, reads like okay. crazy, by the way. Um okay. but what do what you listen to? What music are you listen to?
0: Um, well, I uh there's some really difficult things happening in my family. And um one of the songs that always Makes me very hopeful is people get ready. And I have been on this thing of listening to every cover of People Get Ready. Wow. Um, mm. It's been really cool. It's, it's, it, and I, you know, there's all kind of countries, I mean, there's all kind of people who um, riff off the impressions, but um, that I, every day, it's sort of like that's, that's sort of my core. Um, people get ready. There's a train of coming.
1: This has been phenomenal, Tanya. Thanks so much for your time and, and, your, and your wisdom. We appreciate that. Um, Thank well you. Th- that.
0: Yes, likewise. Thank you so much. Take care, Rami.
1: Liberatory strategy. Yes, definitely one thing we need. There's a clear problem when activists and organizers get pulled from one issue to another, responding to what the GOP or the Democratic Party feels are central to their institutional well-being. The GOP believes that demonizing critical race theory or the 1619 Project brings them control of Congress. Now we have to react to their shouts and hypocrisy. In lieu of organizing swing districts as a pathway to maintaining control of Congress, the Dems believe they must blame progressives in Congress and movement activists for their electoral problems. Now we have to react to their weaknesses. We need our own pathway to a better world where we both respond to the events of the day and our power allows us to strategically dictate or at least influence the events of the day. I do worry about the proper relationship between strategy development, building organizations, and forging strong roots in Black working-class communities. But that's something that will emerge in practice now a podcast. Thanks for joining me this week on Black Work Talk. Our co-sponsor, Organizing Upgrade, is now Convergence Magazine. Still an online space created to strengthen social movements. where the new name, is accompanied by new energies and new ways to uplift stories and engage in strategic debates. Please check out Convergence's website at convergencemag.com or his Facebook page I hope this podcast can grow to become a part of the network of our movement for change we need your help as we build the Black Work Talk community please subscribe to the podcast wherever you find your podcast and go to Patreon to become a sustainer and beyond the financial support, I would love to hear from you what do you think about the show any suggestions for future guests or future topics to explore, please let me know Reach out to me at steven at blackworktalk.com, and I promise to get back to you. Until next time, stay safe and be well.